Greetings, adventurers, and welcome to another episode of Vitamin D&D, your weekly dose of Dungeons and Dragons, just what the DM ordered. I'm your host, Patrick, and here with me today, as always, is my fellow party member, Brady. How's it going today, Brady? Hello there. Hello. All right, so today, this episode of Vitamin D&D, we're going to be talking about classes, and this is to be the real bread and butter of your character. Mm-hmm. So this is where we start getting into, you really get to pick your role and start figuring out, you know, what, what role you want to play in your party. Yeah. Say, typically, you know, races can be varied, but classes do a whole lot to define what your character is and does. Um, and uh, so in, in the fifth edition, for Dungeons and Dragons, there are 12 standard classes. Um, like we're going to pretty much repeat all the time is that there's tons of variants. But just for right now, just start off with the basics. The first one we're going to talk about is going to be the Barbarian. Barbarians are warriors that harness their rage to fuel them in combat, driving them to inflict and shrug off devastating blows. They channel their primal instincts to protect those who cannot protect themselves. Okay, and uh, some of the just details about the barbarian class is strength is going to be their main focus, their main ability you want to uh, you know put a lot of attention to, followed by constitution. They can uh, the barbarians can enter a rage of primal fury during this rage quotation marks rage. Um, you are stronger, you uh, do more damage, and uh, take less damage from physical attacks like slashing swords and kind of bludgeoning maces and you know, stabbing knives, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, and some something I uh, forgot to mention real quick before starting. So each class has their own sort of thing that they're stronger in and then things that they're weaker in but each one kind of has their own little niche thing that they do. So for instance, like barbarians, their big thing is that they can go into a rage. Bards are, they can uh, play musical things to either inspire or buff or help their, uh, their fellow people. Uh, clerics are mainly, well, they don't have to mainly be, but they're mostly like healers and buffers and druids are more uh, kind of an all around kind of thing that does nature. So e- each, each one has their own, sort of niche and um you know we'll we'll kind of touch on each of those but uh like so the the fury and the the, the rage is kind of the one of the barbarians keystone things just just throwing that in there real quick continue patrick <laughs> that's all right um just to uh, help uh you know <laughs> clean up whenever i uh need help now nah, you see. good um barbarians you know kind of going along with their kind of wild heritage and uh you know what's kind of part of their barbarian background they typically don't wear a lot of armor but they use that to their advantage in combat whether it be you know just you know being quick and being agile and being able to redirect and deflect uh, the attacks of their enemies Uh, they have keen senses from living kind of on the edge of civilization you know not being a part of the civilized world and typically living in tribes and that sort of thing um, nomads, um, and in the 
standard barbarian class, there are two subclasses, which are called primal paths, um, that you choose between at third level. Um, but even at first level, it's something that you want to be kind of thinking about to define uh, kind of who your barbarian is and, you know, what they're going to be. You want to start to have in mind their their subclass, their primal path. Same with all the classes as well, um, kind of when you start building that character. So the first subclass is the Berserker. Your rage is fueled by the thrill of battle and a skill in violence, allowing you to push your body beyond normal limits. The uh, second type of sub, or, excuse me, the second subclass is the totem warrior. Your rage is guided by your spirit animal, uh, filling you with supernatural might. You choose between the bear, the eagle, or the wolf, um, and you're not necessarily restricted to those specific animals. You can kind of flavor, you know, different animals to kind of match up with those different classes and the benefits that those totem animals uh, give you as a barbarian. Yeah, so those are, again, these these subclasses, they're sort of your, I guess you could say, quote-unquote, your special specialization for each of your classes. So every class does have this subclass thing, uh, and it's basically just a way for you to... Um, I guess you could say hone your skills or kind of zone into one certain thing or specialize in one thing. And that specialization or that subclass just gives you another array of, you know, spells or abilities or attacks or things like that, that help you um, just kind of either express who you are or do the sort of combat role that you want to fulfill. They just give you, Instead of just being like, oh, you're just a barbarian or you're just a bard, you can be, as Patrick said, the berserker barbarian or you can be the totem warrior barbarian. So it's just a way to differentiate yourself, but also give you those extra oomphs in combat. Yeah. yeah and all, all the different subclasses for each class come with tons of different abilities um, and skills that we will definitely get into in greater detail in the future. That's right. We'll be doing deep dives in those on uh, future episodes, but uh, today we're just going to kind of go over the the basics to help you get an idea for the character that you might want to play. So uh, do we want to go on to the next one? Yeah, next one. All right. So the next one is going to be the Bard. Uh, so if you've seen any um, memes or anything <laughs> related to D&D, uh, especially like on Instagram or yeah, Tumblr or Pinterest, the these this is the class that you see the most type of memes about because they're always the one that's like you know slash seduce the the boss or you know try to seduce every person in the bar <laughs> type thing and um while you can play it that way you know that's just sort of the reputation they have because uh they're they're these musicians whose words are imbued with with magic and they're used to inspire their you know inspire their allies demoralize foes manipulate minds and like create illusions uh, they can even use it to like heal wounds, but bards are all about the story and show. So they're all about the pageantry and just imagine rock stars, you know, that are super, you know, like ZZ Top and, <laughs> you know, all those big extravagant kiss, you know, they're just all about the extravagance. Um, so even if their real backstory is a little bit boring, they're definitely going to create a great one and create their own persona. Uh, so that's, 
kind of, I guess those memes do kind of go along with that because they, they take themselves and make them into these great people. Um, you know, just imagine Yaskier from, um, the Witcher, if you've <laughs> read the books or seen the, the show or played the games, he's, um, he's a bard. He fits the stereotype. <laughs> yeah, I- exactly. Um, so bards, uh, they mostly, they're a support character, um, and for someone who is going to be about all the pageantry and stuff, their main focus is charisma, and that's what they use for their spellcasting ability, which we'll go into greater detail with spellcasting in a future episode, so just bear with us whenever we talk about spellcasting. Uh, we're just meaning that they have the ability to cast spells, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that later. But uh, So that's what they use as their, their main focus. So as, we, as I said before, they can inspire others and um, inspire their allies, strengthening their skills and abilities. So basically, if you inspire someone, you give them the ability to um, add to their role or re-roll their stuff, which we'll get into that again on the deep dive. But uh, just it's a way to improve um, other characters. Yeah, you're like a cheerleader. Yes, and help them. Yeah, and help them <laughs> to to ac- accomplish their goals easier. Um, they're very versatile characters. They can, you know, they can be more combat oriented, or they can be more on the sidelines, just um, helping out their their allies and their party members. Um, so they they they're spellcasters who focus more on charm and illusion rather than destruction. So uh, they're more about you know using their music to influence the minds of their f- foes or their friends, either one. So uh, that's kind of what they do. And they can also, uh, as we said, they can heal allies with uh, some of their spells that they have. The the uh, Song of Rest. That's right. And they can heal them up. So, again, they can be very, very uh, versatile. And uh, the things that, those two subclasses that they have are, they're called the Bardic Colleges. And uh, you can choose again between all of these subclasses are going to be starting at third level. And uh, the two Bardic Colleges would be Lore. And these bards know something about most things. Uh, these bards can use their words to distract enemies and shield allies. So, you know, think of them as the ones who are in the books and learning, you know, all these, like the history and the, the, the myths and all these things and learning the extra spells to help uh, defend their allies. And then the other one is Valor. So these bards weave stories of past heroes inspiring the next generation, uh, and they actually gain uh, additional proficiencies with some armor and also some other weapons. So again, they have that the inspiration that they use, and that's kind of what they more focus on. So they would be a little bit more of a kind of rough and tumble in the in the fight, inspiring their fellow party members type thing. So, uh, but yeah, that's the bard. They kind of versatile. Um, inspiring character charismatic inspiring character so patrick you want to hit us with the next one yes the next one is the class that you want in your party every party wants to have a good cleric because uh your cleric Mm -hmm. is uh they're the big heavy hitting healers you know they're going to be able to uh keep you on your feet all your different um you know characters you know rogues that sort of thing they're going to be able to keep them fighting by keeping them healed up and uh, they do, they can do that because they are conduits of divine power. Um, they can heal and empower your, their allies, but uh, they're also gifted with the ability to 
hinder and harm their enemies. Um, they have some combat training that way, you know, in case they need to get down and dirty, they can apply uh, some damage on a personal level. Um, usually whenever a cleric takes up the adventuring life, they're leaving, you know, some sort of life of service to a local church or to a uh, group of believers. Um, and it might be because their God demands it and they may, you know, be calling upon the cleric to go out and protect believers or, uh, recover some holy relics or, um, go smite some evil. So it could be a lot of various different things. Um, like I said, they're versatile uh, characters who can do a lot of the uh, heavy lifting when it comes to healing, and they can use some abilities called Divine Smites, which I will get into later on, but uh, just special abilities that are kind of like spells um, that are specific to the characters of the clerics and the paladins. Um, let's see. they uh, The Wisdom uh, ability is probably their most important as it is like Brady said their spell casting ability so you want to make sure whenever you determine you know your ability scores that you have wisdom pretty high up there um, so with the cleric there are seven different subclasses called divine domains and you choose between to get these. a very versatile class yeah you can you can be very different types of clerics depending on just upon uh, what you want to do and you actually choose between these divine domains uh, at first level um, and there's actually even um, just to mention again there's so many different variant you know subclasses and stuff um, like on critical role there's um, eight there's two, two clerics one of them is a trickery cleric which we'll talk about in a second but the other one is a grave cleric, which is not going to be presented here. So just something interesting that the community has come up with at some point. Um, and that has some pretty cool abilities. Um, so going through the subclasses that are standard um, in the fifth edition. First one is knowledge. So these, these clerics value learning and understanding and practical knowledge. They, uh, or have the ability to know some extra languages because of their studies, um, as well as additional skill proficiencies, whether that be using certain types of tools or um, just being able to use different like kits and things like that. Um, and they can tap into some divine knowledge if they, you know, if a answer is kind of escaping them, they can call upon their deity to give them a little, you know little help, little cliff notes on uh, whatever they're trying to come up with. The uh, next is the life um, domain. So life clerics, of course, kind of makes sense. They're focused on sustaining life, whether that be healing the sick and wounded, caring for those in need, or driving away the forces of death and undeath. They are proficient with heavy armor, so that's something that if you choose the life domain, you get that extra bonus, um, and your healing spells are even more effective than the other domains. So like I said, you can um, be even more effective and can heal multiple allies at the same time. The uh, next subclass <clears throat> is the light uh, domain. These clerics promote the ideals of 
rebirth, and renewal. Truth, vigilance, and beauty. They can use light to illuminate their path and blind their enemies. Um, and they can harness the power of the sun, dealing some radiant damage and dispelling darkness. I don't know, is that a capital D darkness or like a quotation marks darkness? Mm, don't know. Or both. <laughs> or both. <laughs> the, uh, next is uh, the nature domain. So um, these clerics, they serve alongside druids. Um, you know, kind of these, you know, spellcasters, we'll talk about them in a second, uh, that are nature-based. These clerics um, in the nature domain take an active role in the interest of nature deities like Melora, just to name one off the top of my head. I can't think of others. <laughs> you know, you know uh, druidic spells um, and nature-specific skills. Um, again, this, this uh, domain is proficient with heavy armor, um, just like the life domain. And you can invoke the name of your deity to charm nearby animals. So, say you get to have your secret squirrel squad. Um, let's see, the next domain is the Tempest domain. These clerics serve gods of lightning and thunder, earthquakes, fire, the sea, and certain gods of violence, courage, and physical strength. They're uh, proficient with martial weapons and heavy armor, um, and they can strike back with lightning or thunder after taking damage. So, Gives you that special ability. If you take a hit in combat, you could dish it right back. Um, you can channel your deity to maximize lightning or thunder damage you deal. So it's pretty cool. You know, I imagine like a little Thor cleric with his hammer, like dishing out some some thunder damage. Um, Bring in the thunder. The thunder. Um, next domain for the clerics is the trickery domain. Like I mentioned before, these uh, um, these clerics serve gods of mischief makers and instigators. They're, uh, the clerics are a disruptive force in the world, puncturing pride, mocking tyrants, stealing from the rich, freeing captives, and flouting hollow traditions. You can imbue allies with divine stealth. So you can literally, it's called the blessing of the trickster. You can make your... Uh, your, your fellow party members more sneaky so they can pull pranks and that sort of thing. And you can uh, invoke an illusionary duplicate of yourself. So these clerics aren't all just, you know, nice, pious people, you know, serving God and healing people, but obviously also causing a little bit of trouble. And the last domain is the war domain. These, uh, Clerics serve, uh, serve such gods that excel in battle, um, inspiring others to fight the good fight, um, and they offer up acts of violence to serve as their prayers to their deities. They're proficient with martial weapons and heavy armor. So a lot of these domains proficient with heavy armor, if you're wanting to lean that way. Um, and your god gives you the ability to strike multiple times, as well as increasing uh, your chances to hit. So, make you much more of the combat cleric. So, a lot of a lot of different things to choose from when it comes to the cleric. But uh, yeah, they're they're one of those, like I said, very very versatile. You can do lots of different stuff with them um, yeah, because, like Patrick was saying, you know. 
most people, when you think of a cleric, you think, oh, the one that's standing in the back and just healing everyone. Like, you can either be right in the thick of it with war. Mm -hmm. You can be kind of off to the side healing like that if you wanted to. You could be the sneaky trickster one. And you could be throwing throwing some lightning bolts, you know. Yeah, for real. Or using, you know, nature to, like, use vines to, you know, entrap your enemies and stuff like that. So, I mean, like... They're very, very, very versatile. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a class that you uh, you hope that somebody in your party chooses to be a cleric. Yeah, which is usually me, because I do like clerics. It's <laughs> fun. But I would have to say this next one, uh, pro- probably one of my top favorites, uh, just because it reflects a lot of myself, I guess, and... <laughs> Um, but you... uh, it's it's the druid, yeah. I don't know. And you like to so change it's... into animals. I knew yeah. it. Well, I knew it. Don't tell anybody. I... Yeah, people think we have two cats, but we actually have one. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, no, but um, so druids. So these are the ones. You know, sometimes get a bad rap. You know, they call them the the crunchy um, allies or the <laughs> crunchy party member of the granola man. Yeah, hippies, man, and uh, you know they're not—they're not all like that. So, their druids are just extensions of nature's will, uh, you know, and its resilience and and even its fury. And their spells are oriented towards nature's—you know, nature and animal. Uh, the power of tooth and claw, of sun and moon, and fire and storm. So, you know, they're all about using nature's just primal force to be able to uh, carry out either the nature deities uh, will, or even just nature's will itself, you know, to carry out its, its will. Uh, So as, as we said, druids do have the ability to take on animal forms and uh, some, some druids kind of make this a pretty, pretty serious thing to the point of where they prefer their animal forms to their natural form. Um, I, I actually played a druid once um, that liked to be in Black Panther form and whenever not in combat would just hang out as one and would act like a big mean house cat. So th- like we would go into an inn and I would be up on the table and just like push people's drinks off the table and stuff. So, I mean, like you can do that sort of stuff, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it's just a little side story, but uh, they're all about the balance between, you know, nature and the four elements, you know, earth, wind, fire, uh, and water. So, wait, that's all in air, earth, fire, water. But it all changed when the Fire Nation attacked. <laughs> and um, heart, by your yeah. powers combined. Nope, nope, get out of here. Oh. <laughs> get out of here. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, kind of your main things, you can speak the ancient language, the secret language of Druids, which is this you know, secret and inkept thing only shared between uh, druids of like faith and druids, uh, this ancient language that, you know, what they say was the primordial language that was passed down from when nature was, or, you know, the earth or the planet was first created. Um, And again, you can take the shape of any beast, so you can gain its uh, benefits and its skills whenever you take its shape. So if you Literally, whenever you turn into one, you become that animal. So you take on its hit points 
and its abilities and stuff like that. But those are things we'll go into later. But just an example, if you turn into an eagle, you, of course, you'll be able to fly. You, uh, you're a lot quicker. You can see much, much better. Uh, just stuff like that. Or if you become an elephant, you've got a t- ton of hit points that you can draw on. And you're very powerful, but you know, you're a little bit slower or stuff like that. So uh, that's always something to take into account. Uh, but along with that, wisdom is going to be their spellcasting ability. So that's what you need to take into account for whenever you're creating your druid, because that's what's going to allow them to be able to cast their spells and cast them efficiently. So the two subclasses are called druid circles, and you actually choose these at the second level. So the first one is going to be the circle of land, and... Um, that's where your magic is influenced, you know, by the land where you were initiated into the circle's mysterious rites. You can use uh, meditation to regain some expended uh, spell slots, and we can we'll get into that later. But basically, a way to recover your spells um, once you've used them uh, in combat or something like that. Uh, you know, so you also know spells associated with a specific environment, so. For example, Arctic, coast, desert, forest, grassland, mountain, swamp, and underdark uh, basically means that if you are in those certain or um, related to that certain terrain, so like uh, with, let's say, swamp, you'll be able to cast, um, what is it, stinging vine or something like that, Uh, grasping vine, that's it. Um, (laughs) And Arctic, you've got like, you know, cone of cold, stuff like that. So uh, just gives you an extra couple of cantrips or spells for you to be able to cast. Um, and then the other one is going to be the Circle of the Moon. So these druids are the, the fierce guardians of the wild, uh, delving deep into untouched wilderness, really getting out there, kind of being in touch with nature uh, and taking the form of wild animals just as often as their natural form. So um, they can take wild shape uh, much quicker in combat as well as taking the forms of more deadly beasts than other druids. So they're the ones that are out there, again, getting to these remote areas and seeing these creatures um, and learning about them to be able to turn into them to be more effective in combat and uh, as as that animal. Just giving you that leg up in combat, whereas you know with the land, you, you learn those cantrips of those certain land types so uh but yeah that's pretty much the druid they're just uh nature's fury incarnate i guess you could say yeah definitely um all right so next we're going to talk about um i think a class that gets overlooked but if you really look into it like they can be absolutely overpowered and broken and uh definitely next time we're gonna play gonna play a monk um, so monks, they uh, are fighters who can magically harness the energy that flows through their bodies, um, which um, is called key by most monastic traditions. Um, is it mo- monastic? Mo- monastic? <clears throat> monks, monk people um, call it key, um, and they can harness the energy as it flows through their body and also their enemy's body. Um, the uh, transition of these monks uh, from living in the monasteries to the adventuring life uh, can be harsh um, depending upon 
kind of what the tradition and life, you know, what their life was like in the monastery. Um, but they take it as a personal test of their physical and spiritual growth. Um, so monks typically don't wear armor, kind of like barbarians, and they benefit from you know not being weighed down by any form of protection that they don't need, relying just on their instincts to avoid and deflect and redirect the uh, bo- the blows of their enemies. Um, your martial arts training grants you mastery in unarmed strikes and simple weapons. So that means that, you know, typically most other classes, whenever they do an unarmed strike, whether that be a punch or a kick, uh, it's not going to be as effective as using a weapon. Except for if you're a monk, you're able to, you know, with your martial arts training, be much more deadly with just your hands and feet, your deadly weapons. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have to get these things registered. Um, you can harness key to give you uh, extra chances to strike. Um, so you can actually give yourself, you know, multiple attacks, um, even at lower levels. Um, you can make yourself harder to hit, you know, being able to really focus on defending yourself. And also you can use your key to allow you to slip away, whether it be disengaging from an enemy or being able to, uh, you know, go, you know, travel much further, um, with your movement and jump higher, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, you can, you gain increased speed while you're not wearing armor. So just another benefit of not being tied down by all that, even, you know, light armor is still a bunch of leather laying on you. So uh, not wearing armor gives you an advantage. You uh, have lightning fast reflexes, um, which can give you the chance to deflect or even catch incoming missiles. So this, you know, can be arrows, daggers, crossbow bolts, or if you're, playing a uh, campaign that you know uses firearms you know black powder rifles and stuff i mean technically it's a missile you can catch bullets it's a missile it's projectile (laughs) so be uh, pretty pretty crazy um so for the the monk your dexterity and wisdom um and kind of as a third your constitution are uh super important stats um because you know your dexterity allows you to be harder to hit and helps with your um, your unarmored defense kind of thing, and your wisdom uh, has a lot to do with your different key abilities. So um, for monks, you have three standard subclasses called monastic traditions, and you choose between those at third level. Um, but like I said, with the uh, with the barbarian. Um, and the cleric, it's something that you want to kind of think of as you're making a character before you, you know, before you get to third level, because it can kind of shape what kind of monastic tradition you came from before you got into the adventuring life. So you just kind of think about it, you know, that sort of thing. You can always change kind of veer off path, that sort of thing, but it can be easier to look at these at level one decide. Um, so first subclass is going to be the way of the open hand, which, uh, they are the ultimate masters of martial arts combat. 
They can push or trip their opponents, heal their own bodies with their key, and uh, also meditate to protect themselves, giving themselves an extra defense using the key flowing through their bodies. The uh, second subclass is the Way of the Shadow, uh, which is a tradition of stealth and subterfuge. Some of this uh, monastic tradition are families who are sworn to secrecy about their missions, while others are like a thieves' guild, hiring out their services. These monks use their connection to key to cast spells to assist with this line of work, whether it be you know darkness or um, that sort of thing, or anything to give them camouflage or the ability to blend in with the shadows. If you think the uh, you know real world you know history of ninjas, that's what the way of the shadow essentially is. Um, the third subclass. Again, um, wow! See, so uh, snuck up on you there, like, like you could be with like that. The way of the shadow. Nice. That's right. The, uh, the third subclass is called uh, the way of the four elements, and this is, um, as Marisha Ray from Critical Role says, if you want to be the avatar um, and live out your avatar dreams, then you can go with the way of the four elements. So you can use your key to align yourself with the four elements and bend them to your will. Literally, avatar. Um, but that key... all changed when the Fire Nation attacked, <laughs> that... right? Yeah. <laughs> key gives you access. Man, second reference. To diff- I, yeah, you're just abusing uh, <laughs> avatar references. Um, key gives you access to different elemental disciplines, uh, with some even allowing you to cast elemental spells. So monks are pretty, you know, very versatile. Um, just, in my opinion, pretty cool. Um, so looking forward to maybe one day making a character and never getting to play as that. So um, next one um, we're going to uh, talk about is going to be the fighter. Brady, if you want to touch on the fighter. Yes, the fighter. So this is kind of the one class that if you are kind of just getting into it and you're not really sure what you want to do, or if you just want to get familiar with combat and how things work, uh, just kind of in general, the fighter is usually the one that people direct them to because they're kind of the most while they're the most diverse, they're also kind of the most upfront because I mean, it's yeah. in their name. They're a fighter. They, they fight. Pretty and, but understand. Yes, exactly. It, it is that easy kind of jumping off point. Uh, so again, they're, they're another diverse, really diverse class in D and D. So all fighters, they have this just unparalleled mastery with weapons and armor uh, and a thorough knowledge of the skills in combat. So imagine these are your, you know, your fighters that train and train and train and train to go out into the world and use their skills to kind of prove themselves. So they're the ones that have studied, you know, every form of of fighting and fencing and sparring and just everything. Uh, and, and they are, you know, well acquainted with death, uh, both dealing it out and staring it right square in the eyes, right in the, right in its face. Um, so, 
starting out, you know, you, you specialize in a fighting style, either archery, so, you know, shooting bows from a distance, defense, dueling, great weapon fighting, protection, and two-weapon fighting. So defense is, as you can think, defending you, yourself and your comrades, uh, your other party members. And then great weapon fighting are the big weapons. So think, you know, your two-handed swords like claymores, your two-handed maces, your two-handed hammers, uh, just the like the great swords, just the bigger weapons that, you know, allow a little bit more specialization because they are bigger and you really know how to have, you know, have to know how to handle those things. Um, and then you've got protection. Again, it's kind of like defense, but it's more of that is protecting your allies. So kind of intervening or uh, taking damage off of a role that was, you know, on against one of your um, party mates kind of a thing. Uh, and then you've got two weapon fighting. So just a Kimbo baby, you got, you know, weapon in each hand, just slanging it to and fro. Um, you know, that takes a lot of coordination as well. So it's, uh, you know, that's their specialization. So uh, you also have this reserve of stamina that you can draw on in battle to heal some of your wounds and also push yourself to attack more fiercely for a brief time. So basically, this is a way if you don't have like a cleric or a bard or somebody that can heal in your party, uh, you're still able to somewhat heal yourself while you're in combat because you are a fighter. So you're going to be the one in there doing the down and dirty. I mean, you're going to be in it to win it, baby. You're going to be, you know, just in the thick of it. So you, you'll have a little way to heal yourself if you need to. I think it's called second wind. Mm -hmm. uh, it just basically allows you to roll and get some hit points back. Uh, or it allows you to add extra damage or attack an extra turn. But, you know, we'll, we'll get into that later. But it yeah. just allows you to Action do more stuff. Damage. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you can attack, you know, just from your training and your honed skills and your, you know, stuff. But um, yeah. so strength and dexterity uh, are both important to the fighter, uh, as well as intelligence for spell casting if you do choose uh, one of the archetypes, which is one of the subclasses, uh, it's called the El Eldritch Knight. But uh, we'll touch on that here in just a second. So again, there are three subclasses that are called the Martial Archetypes. And they can be chosen at level three. So the first one that you've got is the Champion. And that's just going to be your raw physical power. Allows you to deal devastating blows. So basically just think you're big, you know, jacked dude that just swing in big swords and you know, just basically crushing their foes with with their with their power. So then you've got the battle master, and these are the ones that have studied all of the different forms of the martial arts, and you're just a student of battle, uh, and you're a strategist who you know you use special maneuvers in battle, uh, and you're proficient with a type of artisan's tools of your choice because. You know, it's like uh, they say that you practice calligraphy if you want to be a better sword fighter. Uh, it's what some of the um, ancient Asian cultures believed. So, uh, but this is going to be the person that's studied these ways, and you can use things like, oh, let's see, I'm trying to think of one of the names of them. Um, basically, you can shout at one of your teammates in battle and kind of direct them what to do uh you can also <laughs> parry repost um and you can trip, trip you know your, lots of different your opponents and um like 
push them back, that sort of thing. Yeah, so you can just use special moves pretty much because you, you've studied and learned them. Yeah. Uh, but then your third one is going to be that Eldritch Knight. So this one is the one that does use a little bit of spell spell casting. So these are the fighters that combine their martial mastery with a careful study of magic. And specifically the, the schools of abjuration and evocation, offering you protection uh, and extending your reach. Um, and you can also bond yourself to two weapons through ritual magic. And this just kind of allows you to either um, buff your weapon or just practically summon your your weapon yeah. um, from nowhere. <laughs> so uh, you can't be disarmed with it. Um, yeah, and you can summon it to you uh, as a bonus action. Yeah. Uh, so basically, you don't even have to have it on you. You can sort of do the whole act like you're pulling it off your belt, but just kind of like out of nowhere and you've got it. So that's yeah. pretty cool. But like uh, they're the mix of the spellcasters. Yeah, so you're, you're just a mix of the spellcasters slash... Um, oh, if you've watched The Witcher on Netflix, think of... Uh, I can't remember the name, but the dude that fights where he just like keeps drawing his sword. Oh, yeah. Um, like, um, and he throws it, you know, and like summons another one type of thing. Yeah, kind of like keeps, that. Keeps drawing it out of the scabbard like like 10 times. Yeah. Right. So... To that effect, but uh, but yeah, so that's that's fighter. So and that's that's the sixth of the six that we'll be covering today. Yeah, and not sure if I mentioned it, but I'm going to do it now. We're going to break these uh, classes since there are twelve um, into two episodes. That way, we're you know not giving you so much that you're just kind of overwhelmed, but can kind of take six at a time. I can handle that. Yeah, make it more yeah. manageable. Yeah, um, and these. Uh, these classes, if you're following along at home with your player's handbook, the classes for 5th edition start on page 45 um, of the player's handbook. So feel free to follow along and dive deep to uh, kind of go along with us and look at you know who you might want to be. Yeah, and you can check them out and um, you know even read ahead if you want to and then listen to the episode corresponding with the the uh, one that you've chosen. And then if you have any questions, you know, just hit us up or anything like that. But, you know, if you do feel like it, read ahead a little bit if you want to, um, at least of the basic ones, like Patrick was saying on starting on page 45, um, just to kind of acquaint yourself with, with that. So, so yeah, uh, just make sure you're, you know, you tune in for the next episode. If you want to hear the other six that will go over, uh, but that's pretty much going to be it for today's episode on uh, the beginning of the classes in base, in the Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed it and found it informative. Uh, and as always, please let us know if you have any questions or something you'd like to hear about in a future episode by emailing us at vitamindndpodcast at gmail.com. That's vitamin D in the letter N, D, podcast at gmail.com uh, or on our Facebook page. Uh, that's at vitamin D and D again, the letter N D podcast, uh, as long as you search it, it should pop up. But other than that, keep an eye out for our next episode, uh, where we'll be talking about the other classes and be finishing up the classes and, uh, in our next episode, but make sure to join us back then. And, uh, other than that, I guess we'll see you after your long rest. Take it easy.